Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, November 22nd. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, as the impeachment proceedings continue, we hear from Congressman Michael Guest. Also, a federal lawsuit seeks to stop a Mississippi district attorney's alleged discriminatory practices. And are you using safe online retail practices? We talk to the Better Business Bureau. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Impeachment proceedings continue in Washington, D.C., following nine more witness testimonies. Lawmakers in the House are tasked with determining whether or not President Trump committed impeachable offenses in his dealings with Ukrainian officials. Representative Michael Guest of Mississippi's 3rd District says he hasn't seen the credible evidence required to impeach the president. MPB's Michael Guidry talked with the Republican congressman about his growing frustrations regarding the proceedings. We're beginning to see impeachment fatigue set in. You know, I think every day as these hearings continue to go forward, uh, uh, the American people become more and more frustrated with these partisan proceedings. Uh, These proceedings were begun uh, with a a vote of Congress in which not one Republican voted in favor of these proceedings, and there were actually two Democrats who voted against those. And and that vote was taken after Speaker Pelosi said that she would not go forward uh, with uh, impeachment without bipartisan support. Uh, I believe that Congress, our sole focus now has been on impeachment uh, to the point to where we're not even able to perform as a Congress the most basic duties of government because we are focusing our and almost entire sole attention uh, to the impeachment proceeding. You mentioned that there was no bipartisan support. Many of your Republican colleagues, whether those participating in the hearings themselves or making public statements, have argued that since assistance was released and the investigation never occurred, Uh, It is essentially impossible that there was any impropriety on the part of the president or his administration, despite some of that testimony uh, that might suggest otherwise. Now, you served as a very reputable district attorney prior to your election, so I'm going to call on that experience with this question. Does the failure to successfully commit a crime supersede the attempt to commit a crime and any evidence that might suggest or indicate that attempt? 
as a prosecutor, you know, uh, you know, just just because a person is unsuccessful um, in completing the action does not uh, absolve them of any criminal liability. But if we're going to look at this case in a criminal context, if you look at the evidence, the testimony uh, that has been presented uh, by uh, the committee investigating this matter, uh, that testimony is almost exclusively hearsay. So if you're looking at uh, the testimony and the proof that has been presented to date, uh, there is no direct evidence. Everything that has been presented is circumstantial in nature. So I've not yet seen evidence uh, that would indicate to me that the president has committed a felony or a a high misdemeanor, has committed anything that would make him uh, removable from office. You mentioned a lot of the testimony being hearsay, but we have had the opportunity to hear from Lieutenant Colonel Vinman and Mrs. Williams, who were on that July 25th call. Is there anything that they have conveyed in their testimony that might give you at least cause to pay attention closely to what's happening? You know, uh, I, I was able to hear uh, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman's, uh not only his testimony uh, that he gave, but I was able to hear the deposition uh, that he gave prior to testifying. When you look at the call, I mean, the transcript of the, of the call speaks for itself. And so, it, it, you know, a- anyone who sees that transcript and reads that transcript, and of course I, I've read it multiple times, and I'm sure many of your listeners also have taken the opportunity to read that transcript, you know, there is nothing in the transcript uh, that talks about the quid pro quo, that if you do not conduct these investigations, that aid will be withheld. At this point, no link has been established in my mind uh, that I could vote to impeach the President of the United States. I believe that as a member of Congress, that the two most difficult votes that we would ever take would be one uh, to declare war, uh, and the other vote would be to uh, impeach a sitting president and to overturn the will of the American people. And to me, the evidence would have to be overwhelming for me to support taking such a drastic measure. Uh, and again, to date, I've not seen evidence uh, that would cause me or lead me to believe to vote in favor of impeachment. You brought up the transcript and said you've read it a couple of times. But I do want to point to something, uh, the the disclaimer at the bottom, where it says a memorandum of a telephone conversation or a telecon is not a verbatim transcript of a discussion. With that being said, would you support the release of the full transcript if that is something that the White House would adhere to? You know, I would have no problem whatsoever if uh, the White House chooses to, to release that transcript uh, to the American public, uh, uh, the the word-for-word verbatim transcript. Again, I think that that is going to be consistent with what has already been released to the public. I think that uh, if uh, that uh, tr- entire transcript uh, was going to have any uh, additional information that that would have come out during these hearings. Uh, But I would support the release of that so that the American public uh, can view that along with what's already been released by the administration uh, and also use that uh, as they are evaluating the testimony of the witnesses uh, who have so far uh, been called in this matter. You've taken a firm stand against the legitimacy of the proceedings from the beginning. We've established that. How can you ensure all Mississippians, regardless of their political ideologies or affiliations, that you can consider the evidence with full discernment and without bias? 
You know, I, I mean, I, I think that uh, the people of the 3rd District in Mississippi uh, can look at the fact that for the last 25 years prior to be electing to Congress uh, that uh, I was able to serve in a position to where on a daily basis uh, evidence was presented uh, at that time to my office, uh, and we often had to make difficult decisions uh, on whether or not charges should be brought uh, in, in, a, in certain occasions, what those charges should be um, as we looked at uh, tr- preparing in cases for trial, what evidence was admissible, what evidence would be inadmissible. Uh, and so I, I think with, with my background of being in prosecution, mine along with Congressman Trent Kelly's, both being former DAs, I think that we have a unique perspective that, that many members of Congress uh, would not have. And so uh, I think that I can assure the uh, people of Mississippi uh, that I will rely upon my training, uh, that I will rely on my experience, uh, and that any decision uh, that I make will be based solely uh, on uh, the, the, uh, the the 25 years of, of service uh, that I have um, given to the people of Mississippi. You have stated that it is your belief that these proceedings are interfering with Congress's duty to pass meaningful legislation. So then I ask, what legislation would you like to see prioritized? You know, I would love to see an infrastructure package passed. You know, we talk about that, talked about that very early, uh, that Congress was going to look at uh, doing something as it relates to the federal government partnering with our state and local law enforcement and infrastructure. Uh, rural health care. Uh, when I was uh, home in August, myself and Congressman Thompson had a rural health care summit where we met with stakeholders uh, throughout not just the 3rd District but throughout Mississippi as we sought to gather information so that we could have some bipartisan support, uh, you know, USMCA. And so those are major pieces of legislation uh, that are going to positively impact Mississippi and positively impact the rest of the country. And the other thing is we must pass a budget, and that is a, a, a an obligation uh, that is a requirement of Congress. And so uh, we must get back to doing the people's business. Representative Michael Guest, we appreciate the time you took with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Coming up, a federal lawsuit aimed at stopping a district attorney's alleged discrimination. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. For that drive you've got coming up for the holidays, listen to MPB all around the state of Mississippi. Going out of state? The MPB Public Media app will keep you connected to home. For that flight in your future, download podcasts of MPB local shows and listen anytime anywhere. MPB Think Radio. Spend the holidays with us. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The MacArthur Justice Center and Legal Defense Fund are filing suit in federal court against District Attorney Doug Evans. The suit alleges that Evans uses preemptory strikes to discriminate against black jurors. Jim Craig, an attorney with the MacArthur Justice Center, explains why his organization is involved with this legal action. The lawsuit that we filed with the LDF on behalf of four black citizens in the 5th Circuit Court District and the Itala County branch of the NAACP seeks an injunction from a federal judge against the office of Doug Evans, who is the district attorney in that district, and the injunction would be to cease his practice and policy 
of using peremptory challenges to strike black citizens from jury service solely because of their race. He is an elected official, is that correct? Yeah, he was just reelected last week. So you can't ask to have him recalled from his position, but to keep him from trying cases? Not to keep him from trying cases, but to prevent him and his office from using their the the procedure called peremptory challenge to um, exclude black people from jury service because of their race. Is this related directly to the Curtis Flowers case, or does, does it involve other jury selection cases as well? So the Curtis Flowers case cases, the six trials, are a tiny subset, actually, of the 400-plus cases that are reviewed and discussed in our complaint. This is a comprehensive structural uh, lawsuit about every criminal case that's tried from this day forward in Mr. Evans's district. How far back do you go, or what time period is included? Mr. Evans started um, his term as district attorney in January of 1992, so that's when it starts. Why is your suit filed in federal court? So the, the, the legal jurisdictional reason is because we're asking to enforce the 14th Amendment's guarantee of equal protection under the laws, and that is violated when a black citizen shows up for jury duty. They make it through the cause challenge process. They're not related to any party. They can be fair. The judge has, has determined that they are eligible to serve. And then Mr. Evans and his associates get um, between 6 and 12 of these challenges that they don't have to give a reason for. And when they use those uh, for the purpose of eliminating um, black people from serving on juries, then that violates the 14th Amendment. And so we're seeking a federal injunction um, against this practice. Tell us about the U.S. Supreme Court's ruling uh, earlier this year and how it complements or differs from your lawsuit. The Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court, heard arguments in Mr. Flowers' sixth trial and in... um, uh, at some point, I want to say in June, the uh, Supreme Court issued its ruling. And it's quite remarkable because the, the Supreme Court, as we know, has been very divided for years now between justices appointed by Democratic presidents and those appointed by Republican presidents. But in this case, Justice Kavanaugh wrote a very powerful opinion saying that um, that the proof of racial discrimination in the use of these jury strikes um, was clear. So the case, the Flowers case, is back in uh, Montgomery County Circuit Court, Winona, and after a subsequent court hearing, a reporter from the Winona Times asked Mr. Evans about the Supreme Court decision, and Mr. Evans is quoted by the reporter as saying it was ridiculous. Our view is that the next thing that can be done and um, something that can be done to protect all the citizens in all cases in that district is for a federal court to look at all of this evidence, 
allow Mr. Evans and his attorneys to make whatever arguments and evidence they have, and we hope issue a direct order to Mr. Evans that he cease this practice. Coming up, are you using safe online retail practices? We talk to the Better Business Bureau. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hey there, it's Joshua Johnson from 1A. If you happen to get a new car over the weekend and you're wondering what to do with the old one, you could donate it to this station, whether it's running or not. The proceeds will help support your favorite programs. It's easy and at no cost to you. Here's how. Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org. I'm Tanya Mosley. We'll have all the latest on the impeachment hearings. Plus, on their latest album, the duo Black Violin meshes classical melodies with hip-hop beats. That's next time on Here and Now. Today at noon on MVB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The U.S. Department of Commerce estimates consumers spent $513 billion online last year. That's up 14 percent from 2017. John O'Hara of the Better Business Bureau of Mississippi discusses this trend and shares some tips on how to avoid online scammers. Online shopping has become, uh, you're seeing less and less brick and mortar stores and more and more online shopping. And I would guess that scammers and illicit people are following close behind with that growth. Oh, yes. Uh, What do consumers most need to be aware of? First of all, if you see an item that you're trying to buy and you see the price, you know, 70, 80 percent off, ridiculously low, that should raise a red flag. The other should be, is it a secure website? Is there an easy way to know whether a website is secure? Yes. uh, Up in the top of the box when you're looking at it there's a little padlock and if that lock is is open uh then it's unsecure which means you know your information could be stolen by anybody when you see the padlock on there it means it's a secure site now that doesn't also doesn't mean that scammers don't have secure sites uh but they usually don't go through the uh, you know the time and to do that i know some people might be hesitant to give out credit card numbers when they're buying online. Should they feel safe in doing so if that padlock is closed on a website? The thing that we always, the first thing we would like to tell people to do is if you're shopping online, always, always, always use a credit card over a debit card. Reason you want to use a credit card because if you do not get that item or there's an issue, you can take it up with the credit card company and prove, hey, I ordered this item, I never received it. When you use a debit card, the money comes directly out of your bank account. And if they are a scammer, you may have bought something for $35, 
if they're unscrupulous enough to uh, not send you that item, they may go back in there and take out more money. So we always tell people to please use a credit card over a debit card. How often should you check your own credit and your bank account balance and that sort of thing? You should. uh, I check mine every day. Uh, I have been a victim of identity theft before, and I couldn't tell you how they got my banking information, but I check my account every day. Now, for some people, that's, that's harder to do, but this is something that people should check at least on a weekly basis. And look for those little small charges, something you may not understand, because sometimes when someone steals your identity, they try for a six ninety nine charge, something that you don't really, you look at it, you say, oh, okay, that must have been for something I bought. I, I don't know what it is. Then they come back and hit you for a bigger charge later. What are the most common mistakes that people are making when they buy online? Well, they're not checking the website out. They're looking for these pop-up ads. They're, they're seeing the prices are really low. What I would look for is to make sure there's contact information. A lot of scam sites, they don't have a way that you could get in touch with anybody. There's no phone number. Uh, so sometimes what you should do is go look at where uh, you can check out to see where that it, domain is registered. And sometimes you'll see them registered in foreign countries. So that right there would raise uh, a red flag. Now, a lot of times it's, you know, just going to your major retailers and knowing who they are and and buying from them and they just have online stores. John, if people are scammed or victims of theft, should they contact the Better Business Bureau? Yes, they can contact us. There's nothing directly the Better Business Bureau can do, but if you tell us your situation, we can send you to the right agency. So it's a good place to start with us because we deal with identity theft on a daily basis. Are there any active warnings out right now our listeners should know about? The thing that people should really watch, uh, and it was really picking up last year, was Facebook. We had a, a company last year that was selling hand made quilts for $100 to $200. Now, a good handmade quilt is in excess of $600, $800. And the prices were really good. People bought it through a Facebook uh, campaign. And when they would buy the item, uh, they would share it with their friends, and then their friends would buy it. Uh, And then what ended up happening was people didn't get anything. Uh, and there was a lot of victims last year throughout the United States that were hit from a, a company that uh, had a fake Facebook page that then connected to a secure uh, a site for you to go ahead and purchase items, and it was an overseas scam. So really be careful of these Facebook where people are listing items on Facebook. Your website again? Is bbb.org. John O'Hara is the president and CEO of Better Business Bureau, Mississippi. Thank you so much. Really important information. Thank you for having us on. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.